0: Welcome everyone to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hello everyone. My name is Ray McKinley. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a dentist, I'm a teacher, I'm an entrepreneur. And over the years, I've grown into a thought leader. I am a life coach, professional speaker, and author of a new book entitled Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success. And for today, I'm your host on this podcast. I want to begin with a question. Why ride the elephant and why ride it today? Well, you may be familiar with the metaphor about the elephant in the room. It has to do with something that we don't want to bring up. Something we're embarrassed about, something we feel uncomfortable about, something we don't want to talk about. Oftentimes it's at work. We don't want to talk about certain things that we, certain opinions we have. Sometimes it's at home. We don't want to bring something up with another sibling or with a parent or with a spouse. And So we just don't talk about it. And these feelings that, by not talking about it, stay with us for long periods of time and never get resolved. And until we admit that there's an elephant in the room that has been hiding in plain sight, we will stay stuck. Sometimes we'll stay stuck for a lifetime. We all have had significant events in our life that help create the core beliefs that we have deep down inside. These beliefs can lift us up and these beliefs can that can hold us back. And it's these deep core beliefs that have and will determine how we respond in every situation in our lives. Now I want to tell you the story that has led to this awareness for me. The most significant emotional event in my life, the elephant in my room and in my family's room for 30 years. It was 61 years ago on September 17th, 1960, something happened that changed my life forever. You know, we were raised, uh, in a, on a family farm, uh, and on an airport, we raised cattle. We bailed hay. We grew Christmas trees. We had 100 ba- planes based at the airport. There was always projects and work to do for the family. And at a very young age, I start working on the airport and on the farm, along with the other 12 members of my family. I grew up in Fraser, Michigan. The family motto was Idle Hands is a Devil's Workshop. We all had to make contributions to the family benef- for the family benefit. On this particular day, I was happened to be 10 years old, and the project of the day was to cut, cut down some Dutch elm trees that have died in our yard. When Dad and the workers cut down the Dutch elm trees, they crashed to the ground, breaking branches all over the yard. After my dad hauled all the trunks away and the branches away, the big ones with the tractor, it was my job to take the Jeep, which I knew how to drive because I cut a hundred acres of grass with the Jeep every week. He asked me to hook the trailer on the back of the Jeep. And haul all the branches back to the dump. Which was about a half mile across the airport. While I was doing my project and I was loading up the trailer with branches. My siblings wanted to join in. And we kind of had a little Tom Sawyer moment. All joining in throwing the branches into the, par- into the trailer. However, everyone wanted to ride the Jeep to the dump. My sisters, Margo and Gwen, ran in, w- rode in the trailer. My brother, Rand, I asked him to sit in the passenger seat. He was eight years old at the time. So he could help me watch Grant and Brian, my two younger brothers, age five and two. And so as we drove across the airport, watching for planes as we went, Little Brian, two and a half year old Brian, fell out of the Jeep. Whether he crawled over the tailgate or bounced out, I'm really not sure. But he fell under the trailer wheel and was run over. When I got out, stopped the Jeep and got out and looked to see what happened, I knew it was not good. I had everyone get out of the Jeep and out of the trailer, and I ran, drove over as quick, quick as I could to get my dad. My dad came back. I was yelling and screaming that Brian's hurt. Brian's really hurt. He fell out of the Jeep, and and my dad was yelling back at me, you got to be more careful, Ray. Why were they in the Jeep with you? you got to be more careful. Scolding me along the way. When we got to the scene where Brian had fallen out, laying on the ground, there he was, laying there with my sisters and brothers, sitting next to him, and he was bleeding. I watched in horror as my dad was doing CPR on Brian with blood all over his face, hearing the screaming and crying of my brothers and sisters. It was terrifying. I was trembling with fear. What have I done? I killed my brother, Brian. This could not be happening. I was sent to my room in the aftermath. People tried to console me, came to my room and tried to talk to me. One person came in and told me that Jesus wanted Brian in heaven with him. And that's why Brian is gone. As said, if that was going to make me feel any better. I looked out the window and saw the police talking to my mom and dad, scared to death about what was going to happen to me. Finally, my aunt came in to my room and said, Ray, let's go home to my house and we're going to stay there for a few days. So I packed up a few things and she helped me pack up a few things and I went with my auntie Carolyn to her house and spent a few days there, sad, hurt, lonely. Three days later, I came home. I was afraid to come home and face mom and dad and face my brothers and sisters. I remember sitting at the dinner table for the first time and it was eerily quiet. No one was talking. Normally it's a pretty gregarious group, but in this time it was very quiet. No one was talking and I'm thinking no one's talking because they don't want to say anything about this. They don't want to hurt me, my feelings. They don't want to hurt me by saying anything that might hurt about Brian. So I just, I, I just said, this is extremely uncomfortable. I felt, I also watched all the pictures of Brian that were in the house had disappeared. They were all taken down. All his toys were removed. My mom never spoke to me about Brian. My dad never spoke to me about Brian. None of my siblings spoke to me about Brian. I made a decision. I came to a belief, believe that how could my parents love me after that? How could they show they, their love? How could they, they had to just hate me. How could my brothers and sisters love me after that, after killing their brother? It was, it was a terrible feeling. It was a feeling that stayed with me for years and years and years. And we never talked about Brian again. I felt as I was growing up as a teenager and a rebellious little teenager that I was and getting myself in trouble as I often did. I always felt that when I was punished that my punishment was extra harsh. In fact, I almost felt it wasn't harsh enough. I deserve to be punished. I deserve to be have people feel that way. I never was punished specifically for what I did that day. But I felt punished in every other way. I, even if someone tried to tell me, that they love me, even if my mom tried to tell me that she loved me, I didn't believe her. How could she? I remember as I got a little older and I was dating a girl, my girlfriend and I was in my late teens and my brother, Otis, who was four years older than I, he, uh, he, his observation of my relationship with her was one he felt he needed to share with me. And he came up to me and he says, you know, I've had some some girlfriends before in my life. And you know what? I would give anything for them to have loved me as much as I see her love you. And you don't know how to receive love, Ray. You don't know how to accept her love. And you certainly don't know how to give love. You're not going to be able to hold on to a girl unless you're able to do that. Well... As a brash 19 years old, 19 year old, knowing everything, as I said earlier, I told him to shut up and mind his own business. And I think I said it with a little more strong language than that. Not realizing that maybe what he said was true, but I was certainly not going to admit it at that time. A few years later, maybe in my early 30s as I'm jumping forward to another significant event that happened was my dad had pituitary, uh, a tumor on his pituitary and he had to have it removed and he had to go to Texas, Dallas, Texas to get it removed. And my brother Otis said, Ray, let's go down and support dad and mom while they are down there. And I said, okay, fine. So we went. and not nothing big. I mean, yes, it was a serious surgery. And however, we were standing there next to my dad in the gurney before he goes into the operating room. And Otis said to me, I leaned over to dad and looked at him very close and gave him a kiss on the cheek and said, I love you, dad. And of course, I was the next person in the room to say something. And I said something like this. Dad, everything's going to be okay. You're going to do just fine. I walked away from that interaction thinking to myself, what is wrong with me? What do I believe inside that I can't say to my dad on his potential deathbed that I love you, Dad? That rocked me to the core And I felt I've got to do something about this. So I decided to go to a therapist and start having a conversation about it because I needed to tell him this story about not me not being able to say, I love, I love you, dad. Of course, one thing led to another and we had a great conversation. And I finally came to recognize that I had some deep seated beliefs that were caught preventing me from experiencing the kind of love that I wanted to have with my dad, with my brother, with my wife. And there were things that were getting in my way. And it all came back to the beliefs that I started to have at a very young age after Brian died. So after processing through that for a few years, we had an opportunity to go on a family reunion. We went to a nice resort in the Caribbean, and Mom and Dad took us all there, and we had a great time. And it was Sunday early in the week, and I, my wife and I were walking down the beach. And we came up at the end of the beach, a little oasis, a little house there that was converted into a little uh conference room or dining room and there's a little pool there it's a very quaint and quiet area and i said wow this is very special place and i felt very spiritual there i felt something was calling me to do something and i came back and i i just knew it involved my mom and dad so i asked my mom and dad to on Tuesday to walk down to the end of the beach with us, with me and and my wife. And we walked down there. And we sat down around the pool, and there was no one else there, just the four of us. And I said to my mom and dad, you know, we never talk about Brian. Can you tell me about that? Why haven't we talked about Brian? Our little baby brother. And of course, tears were shed and mom and dad both shared their story. And dad felt very bad about putting me in the position of having that responsibility around all the kids. He felt, he asked too much of me in that situation to do that and be responsible for, and he felt really bad. He felt guilty himself making that decision, he was in pain and had been in pain for 30 years since because of it. My mom was very sad and said, you know, I always wanted to talk to you about it, but I was never able to. And it seems like whenever I started to tell you how much I loved you because I felt that you had changed and I felt you needed to hear it, you didn't even receive it. You almost, you rejected it and wouldn't even take it in. And I shared with them how I felt about it and my experience around it. And in the end we hugged and gave each other a big kiss and I said, Mom and Dad, I think it's time that we celebrate Brian's death as a family or life, his life as a family. And uh we agreed that on Thursday night during this reunion week that we were going to get together in this location. And we asked the club if they would come down and cater for us a private meal, which they did. And after the meal was over, I got up and got everyone's attention. And I said, I would like to talk about Brian, our little brother. Because for 30 years, when people ask me how many brothers and sisters do do I have, I don't know if I should say 10 or 11. Because if I say 10, I don't have to explain Brian. If I say 11, I have to explain him. And that's a hurtful thing for me to do. And I've always felt that because we never talked about Brian, that everyone blamed me for Brian's death? And what came out of that experience was by bringing out the elephant in the room. And this is a big, big elephant to say the least. The emotions ran very high. There was a lot of crying. Everyone got up and had a chance to tell their story. And what struck me is how Gail, my older sister, felt responsible for Brian's death because she was assigned by mom to be outside watching the kids. And she let the kids get in the Jeep that went across the airport. I felt, I heard Janine talk about what she felt, she felt responsible for Brian's death because she could have done some things to prevent it. I heard Rand who felt because he was sitting in the passenger seat of the Jeep, the nice, and he said to me, Ray, you told me to watch Brian. And Brian crawled out of the back of the Jeep. And as an eight year old, he felt responsible for Brian's death. And this went on and on and on. My sisters, Gwen and Margot felt that they were enticing Brian while they were in the trailer, having so much fun that Brian was feeling left out and that maybe he crawled over the Jeep to try to get to them. And if they wouldn't have been enticing him, then that wouldn't have happened. My brother Grant, who was in the Jeep, just five years old, was telling Brian, behave, you're going to get in trouble, sit down, sit down, yelling at him to sit down and feeling that Brian didn't listen to him. And that day he lost his playmate. And I'm thinking, and then mom and dad shared their feeling responsible for his death. And I was, this just amazed me that everyone was having this pain in their heart for all these years. And no one, no one was talking about it. It took us 30 years to have this conversation. You know, That was one of the greatest days of my life, was to have that reunion and have that celebration of Brian's life. Brian's life was the impetus for me to start teaching a class in the high schools around beliefs and challenges and overcoming adversities that all young people seem to have. And it led to me writing a book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success. And uh, very meaningful to me. And it also is leading to this podcast. I would not be doing this podcast if it wasn't for the experience I just shared with you. You know, after the reunion, I came home and It was a Sunday after we got Saturday and it was the day after we got back and I drove over to my mom and dad's house and I just wanted to tell them how much I appreciated the vacation and how much it meant to me that we were able to do what we did there. And I walked into the kitchen and uh, something new appeared on my mom's kitchen counter desk. And it was a framed picture of Brian, a picture that she had not, had out for 30 years, was now front and center in her kitchen. And then a few months later, we all received a Christmas gift with that same frame picture of Brian. And uh, the power of forgiveness, the power of facing the elephant in the room, The power of the conversation is amazing. I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive my mom and I had to forgive my dad. I was able to heal my relationship with my dad. Uh, I was there on his deathbed, watched him take his last breath. And we had a great relationship the last few years of his life. I was able to heal my relationship with my mother. A mom that said to me, I tried to show you love, Ray, and you just never would receive it. And uh, well, from that point on, I was able to receive it. And we had just a wonderful, wonderful relationship in the last few years of her life. See, we all make decisions as things happen through, to us throughout our life. And those decisions emanate from the core beliefs we have, the beliefs that we've taken on, some true, some not true. But the beliefs we take on cause us to make the decisions we have. We all take b- these beliefs that cascade these beliefs seem to cascade into an opinion about who we are what we don't like we cover up we oftentimes will pretend to be somebody we're not we wear a mask we oftentimes will become two people the one we are the one we truly are and the one we are trying to be We often are told what to believe, but is that what we truly believe? The purpose for this podcast today is for you to hear more than the story, but to hear something more that's on your heart, that's true you're struggling with, that you're thinking about. What has been the challenges in your life? What is the elephant in your room that you've been hide? it's been hiding in plain sight? Who don't you talk to about something? Who do you need to talk to about something that happened between you and them that needs to be talked about? It might include forgiveness, it might include an apology, it might just include be getting an understanding of a different point of view. Look carefully at the series of beliefs that have, that have taken that you have taken on through your life. What was the genesis of those beliefs? Do you still believe them today? See, much of what we come to believe isn't even true. And it may have been true at one time, but it may not be true today. I hope this conversation today will cause you to reflect. I hope this conversation today will cause you to consider the pain and suffering that you've had in your life. And how it stems from core beliefs. I would hope this conversation would cause you to consider the pain and suffering that others have had to endure in their life. That maybe a sympathetic ear could heal. I appreciate your sharing the story. I appreciate you getting to know my brother Brian. And I hope you decide to join us in future podcasts, where we're going to talk to guests. This is the one podcast that I'm going to do here initially without guest, a guest. But in the future, next week, our weekly podcast, we'll have a guest. And we're going to discuss the importance of riding the elephant because riding the elephant is the journey to true success. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week.